punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Yellow, welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast from Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always by um, Logan Mullen. Logan, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Still good? Yep, I'm still good. Nothing's changed. Um, yeah, I, I'm fine. Uh, we are uh, just uh, chugging along here. There's not a whole lot, uh, you know. Where <laughs> I was just talking uh, uh, with Fred Nutter, our uh, digital uh, video manager, who is producing this podcast, about how the fact that is uh, Memorial Day weekend just about, which is insanity. Uh, a year ago, at this time, we were still in the midst of that long layoff between. The Eastern Conference yeah. Finals and the Stanley Cup Final. We were, it was that insane. Memorial Day itself was game one, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, and that was a later Memorial Day, too, than this. Uh, that was, uh, yeah. This year. So, um, yeah, it's weird. We still, uh, we still have not finished the regular season, um, mm-hmm. and we will discuss that as we always do, do a quick update. And then we'll kind of get into what the Bruins roster, the end of the Bruins roster at least, might look like. Uh, if and when they get this thing going and start up with the playoffs. So uh, let's start uh, with a, a just kind of an update on where the league stands, and, and we'll give our confidence uh, as, as to where we stand in terms of uh, how likely a return might be. But I think the big story this week was the Athletics' Scott Burnside came out with that story, uh, saying that the, the NHL is looking at a 24-team format uh, upon a return, uh, which, you know, they're it's a delicate balance at this point with them trying to figure out uh, how many teams that they, they can bring back, how many teams they should bring back, how many teams it's safe to bring back, and the fairest way to do all of that. So uh, they settled apparently on this 24-team working thing where there will be 12 teams uh, from each conference making this little playoff bubble. Uh, each division will be played in a different location. There will be six teams per city. Then you kind of go from there. Uh, because of the odd number in the Eastern Conference uh, with the Atlantic and the Metro, the New York Rangers would actually move over from the, the Metro to the Atlantic. Uh, so they would be in the Bruins pod or division, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, if I read this all right, that would start with round robin style uh, where each team would play the other team once. So you get five games. When that's all done, you take the points percentage from that round robin. You add that to the regular season points percentage. You kind of just average that all out. And that's how you get your playoff team. And then once you get to that point, you still have the bottom four teams. Those teams all play each other – or not, excuse me, those teams match up uh, and play uh, two series, best of three. The winners from those two series get into the, the traditional playoff field, and then we go four series, best of seven. Nothing changes there. So, uh, I guess, how do you feel about this? Uh, what are your initial reactions? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Is this kind of just where we're at? Yeah, I think it's just kind of where we're at. I mean, yeah. nothing's nothing's going to be perfect, right? Like. <clears throat> excuse me, this is an entirely imperfect situation. And I think that for the most part, the 2014 playoff addresses all of the needs and potential unfair, you know, competitive advantages, disadvantages to the best of the ability. I mean, we've been saying since March that if you want to do something crazy for the postseason, this is the year to do it. Yeah. Right. And I don't even think the 2014 thing is that crazy. I mean, if they're not going to play out the regular season, which I get why the Detroit Red Wings and Ottawa Senators and LA Kings of the world don't want to come back for nine, 10, 11 games and then just leave again, uh, then this is kind of what you have to do. Um, 
even within its imperfection, I think there's more imperfection. I think a team like the Buffalo Sabres and New Jersey Devils, even though they haven't had great years, they're two points behind Montreal each with two games in hand. Uh, and so, you know, they, I think they have every right to be pissed if they don't make the playoffs, but Montreal does. But that's the nature of it. I mean, people are going to be mad no matter what. Um, so I think if the season starts back up, the entire time that the postseason's unfolding, I think we're going to be saying, well, they're probably making the best of a bad situation. And I think this is what that scenario does. I, I do think we might run into an instance where there are some, I don't want to say ugly matchups, but unsurprising matchups. I mean, you look at last year, I think for a lot of people watching Columbus or uh, Boston versus Tampa probably would have been more entertaining than Boston versus Columbus. I mean, it was still a good series, but you know, crazy things happen in the hockey postseason. I think it would be an interesting look for the league if a team like Montreal or maybe New York or the Chicago Blackhawks end up making some sort of run under this system. Yeah, and if you're talking about watchability or the aesthetics of it or just the the idea that you could end up with Montreal playing, I don't know, like, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota came around. but Or not even, you know, if you get the equivalent of a Boston oh, Carolina or a Boston Columbus, I unless you're a GM of a team that got knocked out early, a GM of a team that didn't make it, or like a super diehard fan of those teams, everybody else you kind of have to step back and be like, this isn't perfect, but two months ago we didn't have anything. We didn't really have any hope. Like, So yeah. if we get to a point where we're complaining about the quality of a matchup, and a Stanley Cup playoffs in the middle of July that's being played in the middle of nowhere America, like, you kind of have to step back and be like, well, at least we have this. So, yeah, and I think I think also – I'll need you to is, remind me, by the way, at that point. Like, remember when you said in May? When you're that, grumbling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and I think, too, and this is complete speculation, but – Maybe they feel a little bit differently about this if the bubble teams are in Montreal and Chicago. Yeah, exactly. You know, two very important markets to the game. I mean, the NHL is better when Montreal and Chicago are good. And not that they're good right now necessarily, but throwing them into the postseason. I mean, there is a legitimate chance we could get under this system a Montreal-Boston first round. Yeah. And that's that's great for everybody. Um, so I think – yeah, except for maybe for except for like, maybe the Canadians. But. Well, and it, but yeah, I I do think like there is something to be said for if if you're I mean I guess if you're the Bruins you don't have an excuse for losing to the Canadians in the first round. But it would be kind of weird if one of these teams gets knocked out by a team that really wasn't in the playoff field. I think that's one right. of the, one of the issues, albeit a small one, with this this formatting. Because at the end of the day, if you lose, you lost. But yeah, you know, going up against Carey Price and Carey Price gets red hot, and you still can't find your legs in the first round. That would be an unfortunate way for such a season to end. But again, it's better than just having the entire season bagged and not getting a chance to win the cup. So. Right, and you know, there really isn't a super. It, the Canadians have seventy-one points, whereas the Rangers have seventy-nine. Right. The the Canadians are really the only real aberration there in terms of teams that don't necessarily belong that would get it. Like the New York Rangers have 79 points and the Islanders 
and Blue Jackets and Hurricanes have 80 and 81. Like, it's not like – like, Montreal was not making the playoffs the way things were currently right. constructed. New York was at least in the hunt. So I think short of a team like Montreal or even Chicago making some sort of just downright absurd run, teams really don't – won't have a lot of latitude to complain. Yeah, I agree. It's such a massive hypothetical, too. That's again, too, yeah. That's my thing. Now we're starting to talk about like these ideas. I mean, we could be wasting our time right now. I think it's important for we me. <laughs> it's important for me to remind myself that so I don't get my hopes up because I think yeah. there's probably something psychological to me with my confidence meter of this coming back is I'm underselling it in order to not get my hopes up and then get hurt in the long run. I think that's a me problem, but I'm working through something here. So again, <laughs> I think it's important to remind ourselves that this is all a relative problem and if we get a chance to have hockey back then we'll kind of we'll, we'll cross all of those bridges when we get there because goddamn none of us will ever been so happy to cross a bridge in our lives so yeah yeah uh, it's something to, to keep in mind as well i i do think though in terms of the actual getting back on the ice and i this is the issue i'm starting to have with a lot of these leagues talking about the potential of a return is like are I know that the, the conversations are going on about other stuff, but it feels like we're almost getting hung up on the wrong things here. Like, and maybe until you know, in terms of what you can do with testing, you really can't do anything in terms of laying out uh, a path to return. But like getting the realignment doesn't really matter much if you can't find a way to get the, you know, the sport back up and running. Right. Uh, so a lot I think still needs to be done in that part. And I guess that's where kind of the pessimism comes in. And I think you look at one of the things that came out this week is uh, Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau said that, you know, there will not be, what is it? Non-essential travel uh, is still mm-hmm. banned across the U S Canadian border through June 21st. So yeah, I have no idea what that means in terms of, <laughs> As I, I mean, I know what that means. There's no non-essential travel until June 21st. Uh, but I don't know how that affects the NHL here because well, I do think like the, the, do the Toronto Maple Leafs go to Buffalo or right. there if they want to get back before. I don't know. I just don't well, understand. I think, I, think gonna... Bill, I think Bill Daly said that it wasn't – he didn't think it was going to impact – too much what they're already talking about and i mean it the bands june 21st right yeah um i mean they're not gonna have games before june 21st no, in the first no. place so as long as you can get your team together i really don't think that matters all that much and well so you, you cross mean, those other logistical hurdles so what does that mean i guess my question would be how does that affect guys how does that so you can't practice till june 21st either then yeah, I guess not. Like, um, where is Austin Matthews right now? Is he in Toronto? I don't know, but he so, could like, be in I Arizona. Guess in Toronto, yeah, I mean, I think you're going into the, the desert. The Jake, that you know. Jake Dabrowski is in Edmonton right now. Sure, I mean, right. you're you're going to run into those situations no matter what. I would be willing to guess, though, that if the NHL really tried, they could find a way to get – to. I want to say get considered like essential status, but be able to finesse something. I mean, that stuff happens. Guys get their visas expedited in ways that the typical citizen can't. So there's going to be some political battleship 
being there played. probably there probably will be but if there's any country that you want to be negotiating about hockey being essential or not with it's probably canada right so yes I, I don't think that i everybody's made that point but like i also think trudeau and not to turn this into a politics podcast <laughs> but i feel like there's a lot at stake for you know for the guy who's running that country in the midst of a global pandemic to kind of not acquiesce to hockey maybe i'm underplaying the significance of hockey in canada but yeah i mean it's tough to tell i i don't think i mean even if that ban goes through june 21st and they start things back up i mean i think the nhl is still content to what mid to late july like they could still make it work a june 21st ban before to practice would not completely preclude a season from being able to start back up. Yeah, so actually, if you want to look at it this way, too, you could say June 1st, we're on to Phase 2. I mean, that is a perfect cutoff. June 1st is a Monday. We're on Phase 2 is optional, so you can skate if you want. You can skate wherever you're at, uh, et cetera, and then kind of ramp that up to be ready to go once that ban ends. And now we're practicing formally for three weeks or whatever that training camp is going to be. And now you're right into the middle of July, right, to start up all of this and maybe the playoffs start, the actual playoffs start August 1st. I, I mean, there's a, I guess there's a path there. Again, they, they've expressed desire time and time again to play out the season and to push the start of next season. So I don't well, think they're looking at June 21st, not being able to get guys in and out of yeah. Canada until then and saying, well, this is going to throw a wrench in everything. I really don't think it's going to have much of an impact if any at all. I don't I don't love this, but if the NHL has its way, there will be hockey played in August. Like, oh, one thousand percent. That's yeah. that's just the way it's gonna be. Because like that's going that's what it has to be at this point. And yeah. that's you're still going. So um how do you think a twenty four team format, uh this entire thing, how do you think this affects the Bruins? Negatively, positively? Got a quick thought on that. You know, I've been trying to determine over the last few weeks if the point that the Bruins are the second oldest team in the NHL is being overstated as it relates to a potential postseason format. You know, so much of their core is older. Yeah. And I can see that being an issue when guys have not had a typical training schedule. I mean, I think it was last week we pointed out how this is pretty much nearing the territory of the same duration of time that a team that just came off a cup run would have for their offseason. And those guys still get to skate during yeah. a typical offseason. Like, unless – I think Joachim Nordstrom's back in Sweden. Uh, and Par Lindholm is their only other Swedish player. I don't know if he's back there. But those are probably the only potential guys that have had the option to skate. Yeah. And you just can't count. This is not a knock at the type of shape Zidane Char or Patrice Bergeron or any of those guys – keep themselves in but you can be in tremendous physical shape and skating shape is totally different um and if you're trying to rush them into starting a postseason it's gonna probably more adversely affect the older teams than the younger ones so it's tough to look at that and say well you know maybe the Bruins will you know come off better because they've had time to regroup you know they really weren't without anyone that due to long-term injuries that's coming back so really the only difference between them and everyone else is just you know they're older they still have had the same lack of access to skating facilities and whatnot 
So it's tough to look at it and say that relative to other teams who might be younger, they're better off. I just don't see that. Yeah, I have no idea, which is a cop-out answer. But I think if it negatively affects them, I think the chances of them – I think the chances of this layoff negatively affecting them are equal to the chances that Tuka Rask gets red hot and makes up for it anyway. So, like, yeah. you know what I mean? There's always that chance, too. And Tuka's a guy who's played better with rest in his career. Uh, that's playing true. Every night. So, I mean, this is a little bit different. But that's also the other thing, too, is this, this is different for everybody. So, yeah, I do. Awesome. I do wonder, and and this might be a segue into our next conversation here. But I do wonder if we're going to see. You know, I I don't think we will ever reach a point where Zidane Char or Patrice Bergeron is getting healthy scratch. But I wonder if rosters expand if they're going to use some of that extra flexibility more than they otherwise right. would have. Um, yeah. I don't know. Other thing is too, like I think Zidane Char, Patrice Bergeron more disciplined than name your 21-year-old NHLer who might Probably be true. eating Twinkies and bonbons this entire time and who might not be ready to go from that standpoint, too. Like, don't, under, yeah. don't underestimate, you know, the, the lack of motivation for a young whippersnapper. No, that, that's – I agree. I just think skating is such a different animal. Sure. A- yeah. every, everyone has said that. Um and I, I think that's a legitimate concern for some of these older guys. Yeah, but, I mean, if they can start skating soon, which in Massachusetts, who knows, but if they can start skating soon, then if they're ready to go for camp. Like, you're looking at seven weeks of skating if you really – if you you know. Yeah, and maybe that's up. different. If teams on yeah. June 1st can – or if you can start skating at your facility or wherever right. you have access to ice up until the travel ban's done and you've been skating for three weeks, that's better than – showing up and having to do your first week of a three-week training camp just trying to get back into skating yeah. shape. Uh, confidence level, where are you at, 1 to 10? On uh, I, I think I'm still up. I think I was at, like, a 4 last week. I still think I'm at, like, a 6. Wow. Um, I really think they're going to try and find a way to get it done. Yeah. Right, right or wrong, you know? Yeah, I'm up, like, a half a point or whatever, like, from, like, a one and a half to a two or whatever. I There's at least the fact that I don't think that they would be discussing this sort of stuff if they thought there was no chance or they didn't feel yeah. somewhat confident that they would be able to figure out the medical side of it. So, we'll see. Uh, you kind of hit on this point already, but uh, uh, Providence coach Jay Leach talked this week about – or was it last week? I don't know. All the weeks are the same. Uh, Monday. Uh, Monday, okay. So, he two talks days. about – he talked about a lot of stuff, but uh, one of the things that he touched on, and we'll actually hear from him right now, is where he thinks, uh, who he thinks might be best positioned to join this team, uh, to join the Bruins team once uh, once they all get back together, especially now that the AHL season is over. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, Joe, I, I don't think that anyone has a clue, because uh, from what I understand, um, to give you an exact answer, I, I don't think we can t- we can do it just because we just don't know the size of the group. Um, but as as and this is really just my best guess. Uh, it's the it's the guys that we always talk about, right? It's the Studnikas, the Fredericks, um, and then it just it just matters if you have five guys. It's Study, it's Freddie, it's uh, Zavoro, it's Vax, and Camper, you know, and then you've got. I'm not even calling Kuhlman in that mix because he was in Boston more. So it's really tough uh, to, to nail it down. I'd, I'd go with those 
uh, four or five to start, you know, and then <laughs> where does it end? It just depends on whether, what the limit is and what they're going to need. And I don't know if anyone can really, um, can really forecast that just because of the unknown that is that this virus and, and the, uh, the environment that, at which, uh, you know, if we're, we're competing in what happens, you know, um, I can tell you that, uh, there are plenty of candidates, um, you know, and I think that, uh, uh, these guys have shown that whether it's, uh, you know, Senny's and, and, uh, you know, even, and then the up and comers with, uh, with, uh, Lauco or, uh, study and all these guys. So there's certainly uh, a lot of guys that, that, that we can pick from. I'm sure if it was up to Butch and, and Don, they, they'd have, uh, the opportunity or they'd have the ability to pick from any one of them just because of, of the fit factor. Um, so to answer your question in a very roundabout way, I would say that, uh, you know, you've got your classic guys that I think are, are pushing down the door that, that have played there before and they're, they're going to be right in the wings waiting for something to happen. Um, and then if and when you need that second wave, uh, I think that, that that's when you get into um, some of the younger guys um, and you go from there. But it's, it's just, it's tough. It's, it's obviously very uh, speculative really down the line. All right. So Logan, what do you think about that? I think he was probably on the more conservative side uh, in terms of guys that are getting called up. I mean, there were no surprises on the list that he had there. You know, Zaboral will probably be up. Vakanainen will probably be up. Stanika, Frederick, Stephen Kampfer. Like there are really no surprises there. I think we'll just have to wait and see. I think the NHL is going to let guy, teams expand rosters. Oh, yeah. Oh, Why ways. not, too? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. The I NHL mean, is done. Like, you need, you're going to need bodies. They're going to be yeah. they're all going to be up with a team. Well, eh, I, eh, I guess that expands the testing. That's going to be the interesting thing, too, is like, and then what if, like, four guys get hurt? If, what, if you want to limit the numbers. Well, that's the thing. So, I, get the, I get the testing stuff, but, like, they – they should not be starting the league back up if you can't accommodate yeah. for eight to ten extra AHLers per team having access. Yeah, to it should be. This is what I would do: is thirty guys. I want a list of thirty guys by whatever the date is, and so that gives you what you got: twenty-two skaters or twenty-two guys dress every night. Yeah, and then you got maybe two scratches. And so now you're adding six black aces. Yeah, which you, I think historically it's actually been a little bit bigger. Yeah, that. but I'm just saying, like thirty felt like a nice round number. I, you know, yeah, maybe I, you I extend it. You give an extra goalie too. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think the league might say bring whoever you want. Like the AHL doesn't matter. You know, I don't think teams would yes. get so reckless. But I mean, the Bruins would have like any other team. I mean, they would have questions to answer between, do you want to bring a m more veteran guys up who you trust to plug in and play? Or do you want to bring more high upside younger guys? Cause just looking at Providence roster, like I would say Frederick is probably a lock. Yeah. Say Zach Sanitian probably gets in. Um, Carson Kuhlman. I, I don't even think you can count him because he was back and forth between the NHL. Oh, okay. uh, Stadnicka. Is probably going up, and then Camp for Zach and Einen, 
and Zaboral, and then one or both of the goalies between Vladar and Lagasse. But then you start to get to these second-tier guys. What about Brett Ritchie? Like they could bring Brett Ritchie back up. They could be, bring Brendan Gauntz up. They could bring Paul Carey up. Um, I don't think they're bringing Peter Solarik up. I think he sufficiently talked his way out of town. But, you know, there's no shortage of options that they could bring. I mean, even if they wanted to go with fringe guys who have NHL experience, like Alex Petrovic. Yeah. Um, so like, I think it should say that again. The David Backus conversation would have been interesting if he was. That would have been very. <laughs> it, well, and that's a guy that <laughs> might've gotten called up and seriously could have played. Yeah. Like, just, I don't think I, I you know, <laughs> I don't think Brett Ritchie is in the greatest of graces with the NHL team, but you need to tell me if they got into a rock fight and they're like, we want someone that plays a bit heavier of a game. I mean, you're probably going to Trent Frederick. Well, first, Trent but, yeah. But I mean, let's say there are injuries. Like you, you could do, I can't believe we're saying this, but you could do worse than Brett Ritchie. Yeah. The Ritchie line. would be sick. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add because Leach pretty much nailed it all, and I think it's all need can you know it's it's based it's needs based where it's like if you need a fourth line guy to give you energy, then it's Trent Frederick. You know if it's right. if you need a little, if you need speed, I guess you know to your point, Coleman's already kind of yo-yoing as it is, but then he's the, the guy. You know this is all Camphers a guy who played in the Stanley Cup final, like so you've got yeah. a lot of they in that regard they have a lot of options and they have. Right. None of them are great, but they're all – I mean, you don't hate yeah, it. Yeah, you go up and down the Providence roster, and there's a nice mix of guys who you can look at and say, like, you know what? It might not be ideal if you're playing them in a cup final game, but well, you could do it. Like, you know, the take of mind that you always roll your eyes at is I think Paul Carey's an NHL player. No, um, it's yeah, like, you know, the Paul Carey could be a – Say that again? For one or two games in a series, yeah. Paul Carey can well, – Right. So, I, I think the league – if the league trusts its ability to test players and coaches and team staff and whatnot well enough, they might say, keep it within the realm of reason, but bring up whoever you want, you know, anyone that's on a contract that allows you to. Um, in which case, I mean, we could see – I don't know, 10 to 12 guys, you're going to need those bodies for practices too. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right, because practices you're going to have to yeah. emulate game situations. Yep. Yeah, you're more, more so than you would in a regular season situation or, or a typical season situation. If there's one of those guys that makes a big difference at some point in the playoffs, who is your money on? Oh, God. Um what do you mean by big difference? Are you talking like Tyler Sagan 2011 yep. big difference? Yeah. Yes. Because like practical difference, I'd say probably Stephen Kampfer. Right. Um, I, I mean, agree. he did it last year, and that's literally his job as being a seventh defenseman. Uh, if we're going a bit more fringe, I would say probably Stadnicka, just because of pure offensive skill. I'm glad you said that, because it sure sounds like Jake Stadnicka is right. Did I do it again? I need to call him Jake every single time. Dead. Jack yeah. Stanika is ready to make a uh, ready to make an impact. Why don't we hear from him real quick before we get out of here? I haven't heard much on that topic. Obviously, um, see the rumors on social media or whatever um, what the plan is, but 
No, I mean, I, I would, I would love for a scenario like that to play out and um, hopefully, you know, the NHL comes back and, um, you know, I'm able to be a part of that. That would definitely be something, you know, that I'd be looking forward to. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you in that one. Like, I think he's clearly the guy with the most upside is a guy who hasn't really gotten a chance to, to contribute consistently at a, at that level yet. So, yeah, a, I mean, it's an open-ended question. Hoping for you to say it's the Nick anyway, so we can play the sound. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize you were teeing me up for the the sound, but I'm glad right. I was prepared. I think there's just a more. I mean, they already have so much NHL defensive depth. Yeah, right. Because they're already health. They play one guy out of Lozon, Moore, and Clifton every night, so they're already healthy, scratching two NHL defensemen. So I mean. It would be a real crisis if you had all three of those guys playing in one game uh, to the point where you were getting down to like a Camper or Vaca 9. And so I think it would be a little bit more reasonable or realistic if you see an AHL forward make more of a difference than an AHL defenseman, just purely from a number standpoint. Well, and the other thing too is like, going back to that conversation we had earlier, if they are struggling to find their legs and, or, you know, you've seen this, especially with the Bruins a lot in just about every cup run, one line goes absolutely missing or more. Yeah. You know, you're going to need that shot in the arm and what better place to do it than like a 20 year old who led your, you know, American right. and, team in goal score. Bruce Cassidy mentioned today on Toucher and Rich that he was like, the young guys might have to drive lines for a while. Yep. So then why not go with a Stadnicka or a Sinitian or Coolman or someone like that who plays a very up-and-down game that's quick? Yeah, I love that Stanika was – he's like rollerblading. That's what he's been doing. Yeah. Awesome. Paul Carey said he was rollerblading too, I think. I could be wrong, but I think I Paul Carey – I might have been wrong too. I mean, I call it – No, I, I know for a fact Stanika was rollerblading. Something triggered in my mind, though, that I think Paul Carey said the same thing today. Sick. All right, I'm going to go order some uh, rollerblades. Uh, we, uh, nice. you and I can uh, reconvene next week and, and discuss the myriad, uh, developments that I'm sure will take place between now and then. Hey, you never, one of these weeks, there's going to be something. I can't wait. I, we, we've made it this far twiddling our good, thumbs. So that's a good point. What, what's right. the, I mean, something will happen in the next month, right? It has to. So yeah, for we'll better or something out of, <laughs> we can, we can crank out a few more podcasts until then. Crank is what we do best. All right, Logan. That is true. It's been fun. Uh, I'll talk to you again next week. This has been the uh, Ness and Bruins podcast, and we will catch you again next week. See you.